Let's go to God in prayer before we open up our time together. Our Father and our God, we come before your throne of grace, humbled at how far you have come to redeem us. Humbled by the love that you share with us and on us each day. We're humbled to have a Savior, one who would come and walk and live this life and give his life in place of ours, that we might have hope of life everlasting with you. We pray for these next few moments as we open your word that you would speak into our lives, that your spirit would be present, that you would change and mold and shape us. We pray that you would convict us in those areas where we need to be convicted. Inspire us where we need to be inspired. We pray that we would be still and allow your spirit to work. And then we pray, Father, as we leave this place, that we would seek your voice. And that we would have the wisdom to discern your voice amongst the many that call on us. And that we would have the courage to follow where you lead. And the boldness to proclaim the good news of your Son and our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Um, if you love something, set it free. And if it doesn't come back, it wasn't meant to be. Words to live by. Until they aren't words to live by, right? You know, these are kind of things that those coy words of advice that are often offered when someone is struggling with a breakup is like, oh, you know, if you really love somebody, just you got to set them free. Hey, if it's meant to be, they're going to come back. That's hogwash, okay? That's hogwash. Uh, you know, we say it with animals too, right? It, sometimes there are animals that come into our lives. Um, if you are familiar with Kelly Bell at all, she is a master at taking wildlife that has been damaged or hurt and bringing it, nursing it back to health, and setting it free, right? But the temptation is you want to keep it. I have an aunt who has a pet squirrel. Squirrels don't make good pets, but she's doing her best to make this squirrel her pet. Sometimes things just need to be set free. But the thing is, we don't just set them free willy-nilly. Right? I mean, if you let out a whole bunch of cows in the middle of a, of, of a field of crops, they're going to destroy the field of crops. There is a pasture, there's a designated place in which those things are free to roam. I remember growing up, we were watching a friend of ours ranch, and he had several hundred head of cattle, and one of his bulls got out and was in his cotton field. And the bull was tearing up the cotton field. And so my dad and I went out to get this bull back in its pen. <clears throat> This bull did not want to go back in his pen. And I remember watching as my dad roped this bull and tried to lead it to a place the bull didn't want to go. It was perfectly happy destroying the crops, but it couldn't stay there because it was being destructive. It's not because we want it tied up or wanted it pinned up. We wanted it free to roam in the place where it was designated to roam. And he had ample place, ample space to live. Florida right now is dealing with a huge issue in the Everglades. 
because people bought pythons as pets. And then they realized they not, either couldn't or didn't want to keep pythons as pets. And so they released them into the Everglades. And the problem is these rapidly reproducing pythons are destroying a habitat that they were never intended to live in. And so while we recognize that, yes, sometimes we need to be freed, freedom, we we set some boundaries along. We set things free in places where it is appropriate. We set things free in places where it can function properly. And there are some guidelines and there are some boundaries even to what our idea of freedom is. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 19 says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Right? Think about that for a moment. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our mission as the church that we fail to realize the importance of having prophetic vision as we move forward. And, and vision really is the, the aspect of who we are as the church that guides the mission that we've been given by our God. That we just don't understand that there is this one big thing that we're called to lead and we just turn everybody loose out in the world and we've got no direction or no sense. Vision brings that mission and narrows it. And especially when we're talking about prophetic vision that, that looks forward and says, who is God calling us to be? <clears throat> in our homes, in our jobs, in our schools, in our families. Like We, we know the great mission of God, but, but what does our vision bring us? What direction is He calling us to do in a very specific way as we encounter His mission? Because if we're just running around aimlessly without any sense of direction or idea of who God has asked us to be, how He has asked us to be, and what He has asked us to accomplish tomorrow, next week, next month, in pursuit of His mission, then we find ourselves trying to get through a foreign place with no idea where we're going. No idea how to get there. And no map to lead us along the way. We have to have vision. We have a tendency to flounder without clear vision. It wasn't too long ago we found ourselves in the dark for an extended period of time. It's dark in my house when there are no lights. And sometimes the flashlight even is insignificant because when do you notice your flashlights need batteries? When you need them most, right? I mean, I was a Boy Scout and they say Boy Scouts are always prepared. I'm just here to tell you that wears off. You know, and, and I have a flashlight that works and then you have to like shake it a little bit and then it works again and then it kind of gets dim and you got to shake it a little bit and then it works again. And, and I thought it was made like that, like it was one of those motion activated battery charging things. No, it's just a cheap flashlight and the battery doesn't want to make good contact. And, and I always remember I need to go buy new flashlights when we're without power and we can't see anything. I know my house, I know it well. 
especially once I get out of my bedroom to the clean part of the house. Like, I can navigate that. But, you know, dogs move things and kids move things. And, you know, the chair that's supposed to be in one place gets moved around for different parts of, of, of the year so that we can make room for other decorations. And, and so sometimes things change. And, like, even my own house, I don't want to walk around in a place where I can't see. We recognize that companies, schools, any organization that is doing anything progressive in our community, that is moving forward in our community, they are doing something with mission and with vision. But, but somehow we think when it comes to our spiritual and church life, we just... And God says, no, I've called you to something. I've called you to something big. And not only are you on mission from God, but there is a very specific way which you can work to move his mission forward even in this place. We need that vision. In Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 6 through 11, uh, we see this vision that Jesus gives to his apostles. We got a rather uh, general one in Matthew 28 when he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, every living creature teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. And then in Acts chapter 1, in verse 6, we see this, these last, last, last words of Jesus to his apostles. Right, in verse 6, it says, after he had said these things, he was, that's verse 9, I'm sorry, let's go to, let's actually start in verse 6 this time. Um, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord... Are you restoring the kingdom to Israel this time, at this time? I don't know what's going through Jesus' head right now. Actually, I probably do. He probably knew exactly where they were. He knew that there was something coming, right? He told him in John, he says, listen, you don't understand this, but I have to go. And I know you don't want me to go, but only after I go can someone even greater than me come and fill you. And so Jesus has walked, he's talked, he's preached, he's taught, he has done miracles, he has died and he has rose from the grave, and the apostles still don't know what Jesus is about. They're still looking for that physical kingdom. But you know, Jesus doesn't get frustrated with them because he understands something. He understands that in a few days after he goes into heaven, something powerful is going to come down and these apostles are going to stand in Jerusalem empowered. Empowered with his spirit, they ask him, Now, now are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They know he is Messiah, but they have no clue about the kingdom they have pledged their allegiance to. They think they are getting something great. What they are about to encounter is something that they can't even fathom without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And he lays this out for them. 
And, and, and he says, look, he goes, here's the deal. He goes, don't get wrapped up in that. I just want you to be present when the Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. How are we going to know? <laughs> it's, you're going to know, right? You're going to know. When the big tornado went through Joplin, Missouri and completely decimated that section of, of Joplin, I took a group of my youth group students from Olathe down there and we stayed to do some cleanup. And we stayed in this little church facility. And the next morning we got up and we drove down. And as we're walking in, they're seeing signs down. And they're like, ooh, is that, is that the tornado damage? And van full of kids. And they're talking and they're talking and they're talking. Ooh, look, is that tornado damage? Is that tornado damage? These kids were from Kansas. They had seen tornado damage before, but they hadn't seen what they were about to witness. And they're talking and they're talking and they're talking and they're talking about what they're going to do and how they're going to act and, and what kind of things they're going to see. And we come over a hill and they see, as far as you can see, a tree does not have a leaf on it. There's not a house standing on its foundation. A hospital twisted four degrees on its foundation. And a van full of teenagers that were once rowdy got silent in a moment. Because they had seen tornadoes, but they hadn't seen anything like what they were witnessing in this moment. And you know, here is Jesus saying, look, yeah, I get it. Just shh. <laughs> when the time comes, you will know. But how are we going to know, Jesus? Like, trust me, you will know and you won't be able to deny it. Like, if Jesus had said, trust me, you're going to be speaking in language you've never studied before. You're going to be the one that's laying your hands and healing people. You're going to make the blind see and the lame walk. And, and, and you're going to do all these things. I don't know how they would have responded to that. And Jesus just says, look, it's not for you to know, but I promise you when the Spirit comes, you will receive power. And from that moment on, you will be my witness, witnesses right here in Jerusalem, and you will go to Judea, and you will go to Samaria, and then you twelve will go and you will take the message of my death, burial, and resurrection to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. And after he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, verse 9. And the cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. And suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you will come in the same way that you've seen him go. He's sitting around. They've just heard this, and they said, all right, <laughs> he's gearing us up, and we're ready to go. And, it's, and then he starts going up, and they're watching him go up, and then he's out of sight, and they're just staring up in the heavens, right? And here's these two people that appear beside him, and immediately they're like, what are you looking at? You've got work to do. Why are you staring into heaven? You have, you have things to do and to prepare for because when he comes back, he's going to come back in the same way that he came. And now, in the meantime, you need to get ready to do the work that he is going to lay at your feet. 
This is still the vision Jesus has for his church. This is still the vision that God has for his church to accomplish his mission. And if he were here today, he would look at each and every one of us and he would say, you will be my witnesses. If you're in Christ, you don't have a choice in that matter. You are a witness. Now, we know a lot about witnesses, right? I mean, what is a witness? A witness is somebody that has seen something or someone do something. Right, plain and simple, that's what it is. And, and, and you have seen the power of Jesus Christ at work in your life, and you are a witness. Now the question to us comes, what kind of witness will you be? You have those witnesses who uh, are called into court, and they are called to testify, to tell people about the things that they have witnessed. And, and sometimes those people have to be forced to tell their story under penalty of perjury. They have to be subpoenaed. They have to be brought in under penalty of law to do those things. But those court witnesses, they've seen something. They have, and now they have to sit in front of a a group of people and, and recall or recount the things that they have done. You have historic witnesses that may see something and just go, oh, wish I hadn't seen that. And they're going to walk off and they're going to keep it to themselves. They're going to see something and witness something but choose not to do anything with it. And still you have people who are living in the witness protection program. Right? Those people who have witnessed or seen something and whose testimony has cost them so dearly that they have to go into a completely separate program with a new name and a new identity and a new place to live because their testimony is dangerous to them. And so we are witnesses. Jesus doesn't say, hey, uh, if you want to, um, you can choose to be a witness. Like, no, he goes, you've already witnessed the things that Jesus does. You've already witnessed the power of Christ. You have already witnessed the power of the kingdom of God. You have witnessed all these things. You are a witness. And he goes, but here's the thing. You are going to go and you're going to proclaim. And it might cost you some things. You can look at the life of the apostles and the lives that they led, um, the way that they died, the things that their testimony cost them. Their proclamation of the gospel was expensive. Are we too content to just keep it to ourselves? Are we too content to be the kind of historic witnesses that recognize the way my life has changed? And, in, you know, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell my kids and my friends, but <clears throat> there's too much on the line. There's too much at risk to do this anywhere else. How are your subsequent actions helping to define what it means to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And there's always an opportunity to do something different. 
there's always opportunity to recognize something. That is that we are a people on mission from God. We are a people who have been given a task, a calling, and a purpose. But the mission of God doesn't start in some faraway country. It's important to do those things. It's important to evangelize lost people. Um, Mario and a group of his friends went to a a place. We prayed for them when they were on their trip. Um, I just lost the name of the jungle, but it's deep down in Mexico. And (laughs) when you enter this village of the jungle... There is a sign when you go in that says, we don't want your God. You know what they did? They went in and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Probably the only reason that they were safe was because the guy they were with had grown up in this place and he had left and come back, and the people knew him, they trusted him, he was one of them. He spoke their language. He understood their customs. He wasn't a a foreigner, he was family, and he was coming in to teach and proclaim them about the gospel of Jesus, and he is probably the only man qualified to do that, and because they were with him, they were allowed to come in. And there's a small little church there doing good work in a dangerous place. It's important to go to places like that, but that's not where the mission of God begins. It's important for us to see and to support works that are going on around our own country, and and, and we see the good work that is being done, but that is not where the mission of God begins. The mission of God begins with you. It begins in your own heart. It begins in your own home. It begins in your own school. It begins in your own neighborhood. It begins in your own workplace. We lament in in churches today over why our children are leaving the church. And and that is the question that is plaguing church leaders today as we are seeing numbers shrinking. We're seeing children raised in the church and going off and choosing different paths. And we say, why is that? It has nothing to do with the things that we are trying to capture them. They're not begging for our entertainment. They are begging for to see an authentic faith. They are begging to see a people who say, yes, I profess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you know how you can know it? You can watch the way I live out there. You can see it in my home. You can see it in my work. You can see it in my relationships. And even when I fail, even when I fail, the grace and love of God is evident. And when I succeed, I succeed for the glory of God. Our community is desperate for the word that the gospel has to proclaim, and that is, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And it's not rest that comes cheap. It's not rest that comes easy but it is rest that lasts. 
It is joy that lasts. It is peace that lasts. It is purpose that lasts. But the mission of God begins with you. And it's not some place that you have to go to to start. You start right where you are and you begin working in those concentric circles as we begin moving outward from where we are. And if each and every one of us were to begin moving outward from where we are, if we were to begin to go to our neighbors, if we were here to realize that just what Jesus said to the apostles rings true to you today, that you have received power when the Holy Spirit has come and made His dwelling inside of you. And in that moment, that Holy Spirit began to change this jar of clay into something powerful and purposeful. In that moment when the Holy Spirit took residence in me, when I professed my belief in Jesus, when I was buried in the grave of baptism, when I came up out of those waters a new creation, when the Holy Spirit said, now you are mine and now we can go to work. I live for something different. And sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we forget that mission But what we need to realize is it is not about your ability. It is not about my ability. It is not about my performance. But sometimes we just have to be willing to put ourselves out there. The Spirit of God says, do you trust me to be vulnerable? We're not good at that. Right? I mean, we do everything in our power to know the answer to the question we're going to ask before we ask it. Like, Heather and I hadn't dated for very long before I asked her to marry marry me. She picked out the ring. Like, we went to Whitehall Jewelers, and she picked out the ring that she liked. So when I went back, she didn't know I bought it, but when I went back and bought it, I knew that she liked the ring, and she knew what I was thinking about. But still, somehow, there was this little bit of uncertainty, like, what if she says no? Even though we've been through all of that together. Because sometimes there's just no way of knowing, and you can't ever get the answer yes if you aren't willing to put yourself out there. Um, Dustin and Daisy had been dating not for very long, and he called me and he said, Dad, I think I'm going to ask Daisy to marry me. And I said, do you know what she's going to say? And he said, I'm pretty sure. Like, man, I forgot what that was like. I said, how sure are you? And he said, well, she picked out the ring. I said, okay, that's pretty sure. Like, head away, kid. But still, that point of vulnerability is so hard for us, no matter what it is. Whether it's relationships, or whether it's having a hard conversation with a coworker or a schoolmate, or a teacher, or a student, or a boss. Uh, and, and sometimes we look, and we say, you know what, sharing the gospel is just hard. And, and it is hard, and it's not. Because the hard part is getting over that place where we feel vulnerable, because we're afraid. What if they reject that message? And the word from God comes to Samuel in the same way that it comes to us. Samuel came to God and he said, the people want a king, God. And God said, yeah, I know. I knew they would. He said, I don't want them to have a king. They have a king. You are their king. Why can't they realize that it is so good with you as their king? And God says, Samuel, why are you taking this so personally? It's not you they're rejecting. It's me. It's me. 
It feels personal. What Jesus wants you to know today is that you have received power when the Holy Spirit came on you. He says, I just want you to go out there and I want you to put yourself on the line and let me go to work. Will we be willing to have the kind of heart for the house of God that we would put it all on the line for Him? That's the call. Will you answer it?